Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. I have a very, very fun guest today. Her name is Lauren Golden, and I'm super excited to share her story with you and introduce you to her. And before I do, let's just get a little background on Lauren. Lauren Golden loves helping moms free themselves from the nine to five grind. She launched the free mama movement to show working moms that they don't have to choose between family and financial stability. Thousands of families are happier and more fulfilled thanks to Lauren and her online programs. Today, as the fearless leader of the Free Mama Movement and a thriving community over 37,000 women, Lauren is passionate about showing other moms how to start and run a successful freelancing business for businesses from home or for home, I should say. In her number one international best-selling book, The Free Mama, How to Work from Home, Control Your Schedule, and Make More Money, she shares her own story along with plenty of practical advice from anyone looking to leave the nine to five behind and make a real living from home. In addition to her self-paced online program, Lauren also hosts live events with motivated mamas who want to get their businesses up and running fast. Her talks on freelancing, time management and making over your mindset resonate with women all over the world. Please welcome Lauren Golden to the show. Hi, Lauren. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here. And we were chatting before we started recording. You mentioned you had kids. You're up in uh, Kansas City. It's yes. nice and cold at the time of this yes. recording. <laughs> <laughs> and before we jump in, I want to ask you, what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Oh my gosh. I did not know you were going to go here. Ah! Dead. <laughs> I was going to dive right in. Well, I was sitting here thinking I had to mute myself during your intro because we are more chaos right here than anything else. We had to actually, um, our, we, I, I am really big into outsourcing both in my personal life and my business it took me a whole long time to get there. And like, I think kind of feel worthy and feel like it was worth the investment, but our cleaning people are here. So my house is like totally chaotic right now. I keep like muting myself as they vacuum and doing all oh, these how funny. very, not like podcast professional, but super on brand for me because I'm just, I am, I am chaos and I like cookies. Okay. Best <laughs> cookie. There's two. Number one, my husband makes a chocolate chip. He shout out to Justin Golden. My husband makes a chocolate chip cookie from scratch. That is bananas. Like it is so freaking good. So that is, I have to give it, but like hot out of the oven. Like that's their, their shelf life to be the best is only about an hour, but it is amazing. Maybe he'll let me share the recipe. I'm not sure. My second favorite cookie, you can tell I'm passionate about cookies. Second favorite cookie is, do you guys have like, what's it called? Blue chip cookie factory? Maybe. Is that a chain? Maybe. I don't, we don't have it. We have tips treats is a shout out to tips. Okay. That one's good too. Yeah, I used to, I was telling you, I used to live in Houston and that was like a good gift thing. Oh yeah. Their peanut butter cookies are just the bomb. Well, they'd show up at my door unexpected Warm. Like after I had a baby or like, like friends would send them. And I'm like, this is genius. Um, anyway, it's called blue chip. I think blue chip cookie factory. It's here in Kansas city. They have an iced sugar cookie with like it. You cannot have just one. Like it is so, oh, no. I don't know what they put in it, but it's 
deliciously not good for you. So those are my two favorite cookies. And I could spend the whole time talking about cookies. Oh, I love cookies. I mean, the holidays are coming up and I always like bake them. And you know, I don't know why just this memory just popped up for me is like these key West lime cookies. And I think I got them on, I want to say in key West, but they are like these iced Mm. cookies and they're like bite size. And when you said that, I'm like, you just couldn't have one. They were so stinking good. And I'm not really, I'm more of a chocolate chip cookie person, but they were so good. Yeah. Baked goods are my jam. Halloween candy. I'm kind of like, like I eat it because I like chocolate, but I don't need it. Yeah. 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 Ice cream. Like I like it, but I don't need it. Baked goods. Um, never, ever turned down a baked good. No big fan, big fan of the name of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I always have to ask why not. So, so let's switch up it a little bit to your free mama movement. Um, So what were you doing prior to starting the free mama movement and what was the push to start working from home? Yeah, well, I'm actually going to reverse those if that's okay, because one came before the other. So I, I am a product of what I now teach other people how to do. I think I'm very much a believer in the saying, like you can't walk someone across a bridge you haven't walked across. Uh, so I flash back to while my oldest is nine and a half. So like 10 years ago, and it took us about a year to get pregnant with her, which was not what we had planned, but it gave me a lot of time to like think and actually prepare to become a parent. And I guess make sure it's what I really wanted because it took a long time. I don't know that you're ever really ready, but as something that strikes me interesting about that time in my life, once we found out we were pregnant is my husband, I never really had a conversation around what would happen after she was born, because I think we both are just logical people. We knew what our mortgage payment was. We knew kind of what we made. And it was kind of like, we're a two income house. Like we never talked about what would it look like if I stayed home? Do I want to work? All these different things. And I actually grew up with a stay at home mom. Um, my husband's mom worked off and on. So we both had really involved parents and I had created the story for myself that that's, that's what a good mom does, right? Like a good mom stays home and they're super present and they do all these things, but it just wasn't a financial possibility for us when, when we became parents and something too, I have two kind of big aha moments that spurred this whole thing, both for myself and then others. The first was after my 12 week non-paid maternity leave, mascara all over my face, crying, leaving my baby for the first time. We had a wonderful in-home childcare situation. So it was great. Still devastating though. Cause yeah. I wasn't the one with her. <clears throat> of course. I get back to work and I remember around lunchtime that day, um, sitting back and being like, whoa, like I'm happy to be back here. Like I like working. Like Mm -hmm. I like, I've always been driven. I've always been ambitious. And I kind of had this moment of like guilty reconciliation of like, okay, maybe I can do both. Like me, like I really like working. I love my child. Don't love her any less, but I kind of like this whole working thing. So that was the first aha flash forward two years later, my son was born. They're exactly two years apart. Um, and during this time, when I went back from my second non-paid maternity leave with, with Henry, my son, I had kind of my second epiphany. And that was that a traditional nine to five, as much as I loved working was not allowing me to show up as the mom that I wanted to be. I wanted to work. I wanted this career. I wanted to be able to earn an income and chase my dreams, but I was so tired of feeling like a seat warmer. Like I had to be at my office from this time to this time. And if I wasn't, there was like eyeballs and comments and like questioning my dedication and like all this kind of stuff. And it's like, like, like why? Like if I got my work done and I'm doing a good job, why Why does it matter? 
what does it matter? And so I just, I kind of started exploring other avenues and did like many of my students do. I started Googling things like how to work from home. And I found some remote jobs. I tried a lot of sketchy stuff. I signed up for like secret shopper stuff. I tried like those surveys where you make like three cents and they like never pay you out. It's right. horrible. Never. I wasted so much time at night, like in bed, trying to make that work. Um, I tried network marketing that was not my jam. Um, and it really wasn't until I learned about well, I shouldn't even say learned about the world of freelancing. I was familiar with freelancing. I just didn't think it was accessible to me. I had heard of like people in the IT space doing freelancing. I had heard of like freelance photographers or graphic designers, but that's not my skill set. And once I started hearing about like people who were doing social media management freelancing and like this world of virtual assistants and there's like online business managers and like all like you can freelance pretty much anything it's basically just it's I always describe like it's kind of like a job except you're not an employee you're still showing up you're still providing a service you're still solving a problem for someone but you're not a butt warmer seat warmer at at, at a physical location yeah you get to choose who you work with you are in charge of your hours and your rates by law that is a huge distinction between independent contractors and employees and all of a sudden my whole horizon, like expanded on what was possible. And so I dove in pretty hardcore to the world of freelancing. So that really came first, like it becoming a parent gave me this pull of like, why should I have to choose? And so the free mama movement came about three years after my son was born. So I'd been freelancing for a few years and all of a sudden I kind of got this tug on my heartstrings of like, maybe other people feel the same way I do question mark. Like maybe (laughs) other moms out there are like struggling and feel like they're failing all the time and feel overwhelmed and could maybe like use this information. And so that's kind of where the free mama movement was born was this really introspective realization of like, maybe I meant to, to teach other people how to do this because I'd found quite a bit of success and, and been able to leave my job successfully and comfortably. And, um, so it was really great. And, and so the mission now of the free mama movement is to make sure that no mother has to choose between family and financial stability. So it's kind of like, we got the Pinterest moms on one end. We love them. I am not you. If you are one, <laughs> thank you for your skill set and your like teacher treats that you take to school and all these beautiful things you do. That is not my skill set. Um, and my mom was one of them, by the way. And then I love the lean in movement on the other side. Like I am a total feminist. I want more women in leadership roles sitting on boards and, and CEOs of companies. I think it is important, but neither of those spoke to me. And for a long, like those first two and a half years of motherhood, I, I really just felt a little bit like a screw up, like, like this is my life. I guess I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, and it wasn't until I got excited about that. I'm like, I'm somewhere in the middle. That means I get to make it up. Like I get to define what this looks like for me and I can create a life that I actually want instead of just kind of going through the motions of the status quo and what, what we're told is expected of us. And it, it's been life-changing. It's super important because after you become a mom, you almost feel, and you have worked and then you're not, you lose your identity, but you're like, not that your job is your identity, but like what, like you are just your own self, like making money. You liked what, like you like working and producing and same thing with me at where I was sitting at home after I was writing a non-compete. And then I was like, I, I can't not do something. Like I feel very, like I don't need to make money. I was very fortunate. I didn't have to, but I feel like I still want to, cause it just, makes it fulfills me to do yeah. something and see some sort of return other than helping others. I just, I don't know. It does. It just, I don't know. It just makes you feel like you're got another bigger 
role to fill. Plus our kids are only with us till 18 months, 18 months, 18 years. And then what? <laughs> I'm like, wow, you have really, yeah, sorry. Time. Like I have a <laughs> different style of parenting. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> like, oh, they fend for themselves when they're 18. Bye. No. So like 18 years after that, it's like, you can't lose yourself along the way because once they're gone, then, then like, if that's your identity, then what? Like they're going to grow yeah. up. They don't want to be around you all the time. Like you don't want them to want to be around you all the time. So trying to keep up with that too. Right. Yeah. I think we all, I think two things first, I think we all have different motivators. Um, sometimes we kind of intuitively know what ours are, but I actually just got back from a mastermind in Boise with some other really, really smart entrepreneurs. And we got to listen to a presentation on, um, the disc profile. So if you're into personality assessments, there's like Myers-Briggs and Enneagram, there's yeah, all kinds. All, what, are you um, an Enneagram? What's your Enneagram? I yeah. am. I'm a two wing three. I'm a helper. Oh. It is both my, my, uh, greatest asset and biggest downfall, depending on which side of the coin you were looking at. I'm an Enneagram three wing two. Yes. Yep. Lots, mo- most entrepreneurs in my circle, most business owners are threes. Yeah. Um, so that's not surprising to me. Yeah. I'm a two wing three. Um, but disc assessment is another one. And I know if you Google, like Tony Robbins has a free disc assessment, um, but part of it, like, so the DI S C all stand for something. And I won't go into a whole training yeah. here, but I just learned during, during this session last week that underneath that I'd never gone deeper than just like, what are my letters? But underneath that, there's this whole thing on motivators. And I think there was like, I don't know, maybe eight to 10. And I had never looked at this before. And what's interesting is in this room of business owners, most people's highest motivator is what they call economic. So money, right. Yeah. They're, they're motivated by money. It sounds like your economic could also be high. Mine was actually really quite low. However, my two high ones, I forget what the assessment calls them. Well, uh, one was called political, but what political means, it, it means power essentially. Yeah. So I'm also a high D we're kind of control freaks. So I'm highly motivated by power, by feeling like I'm in control of my life, but my highest one, I forget the word they used for it, but it represents like freedom. So mm. for me, I'm not really motivated by money in and of itself, I'm motivated by what money does for my lifestyle. For and it's funny because I've always identified as like an, a lifestyle entrepreneur. My husband and I spent our last two summers traveling around the country in an RV with our kids. Like it's very, and, and just telling my story, it's like, I love working, but I don't want to work for you because I want freedom and control. Like, yes. so when you like, when you kind of get to know yourself and like, I looked back at the evolution of like my last seven years and my last four years with the free mama movement, I'm like, all of this feels very in alignment. Like this very, yes, I'm very, you know, I built a company called the free mama. I'm clearly very motivated by this concept of, you know, doing what you want and being happy and being, yeah, doing what you want, not working for the man or whatever, you know, they say, and it's like working for somebody else. Cause I think too, when you start going on your own and then you have to explore working for someone else. And then now you have to report, you're like, I've now tasted that flexibility and freedom. Like I don't, want to report to you and hit numbers and quota, unless you really have to, but it's very difficult to go from one to the other or going into an office after you've already been home and gotten the taste yeah. of like remote life. And there's not a right or a wrong, you no, know, like of course I just, not. Yeah, Some people I think, need to go to a brick and mortar yeah. because not everyone is built to work from home. Let's just put that out there. You and have not everybody's to, meant to be self-employed either. I would correct. say. Yeah, yeah, no, I, and that's okay. Agree. That's yeah. okay. Cause uh, honestly, like when I had to first start working from home, when I worked for, um, a court reporting firm, I used to go into an office every single day and then you got people watching you and this and that and the other, but it was an ex- 
you got out <laughs> of your house. Like I'm a yeah. homebody. So like, I'll sit at home all the time. I'm a big old hermit. Like I like being home. I don't like having to go places. It's just me. I'm a very social person. I like social uh, events, but I first, if I have to like get up, get dressed and it, it's a lot of effort. <laughs> I don't know. I'd rather I just to- be home. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. I'm a total homebody, but I'm a raging extrovert, but I can yes. get my fill via Zoom. So it's good. I, I, I do like, like to yeah. talk to people. When I go to the grocery store, like I've never known a stranger, all those things. I too am a homebody. So I think working from home works for me. Um, but it's funny because just the other day I was talking to two other female moms who happen to also run online businesses. And we were talking about, I very rarely get ready. You can see me now. I am ready. I shall. I know. Me too. I'm ready for you because I I got ready for you. Yep. I got ready for you. I typically don't. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Clients know I'm in a sweatshirt. My hair is up. I usually just came from the gym. I very rarely put on makeup and that works for me. These two other ladies that I was talking to who work from home, both have very like intense corporate backgrounds they have to still get up and act like they're going somewhere, even though they don't like they get up, they put on their makeup, they put on real clothes. And I'm like looking at them, like, I, like, aren't you uncomfortable? But they're looking at me, like, how are you productive? So I think one big thing, whether you run a business or not, is like being honest with yourself about what works for you, you know, because I think it's really easy, especially in this online space and social, social media and all this stuff to like, look at other people and start to feel like something's wrong with you or like you're doing it wrong. But there's more than one way to do something. There's more than one way to find fulfillment or happiness or a ton of money from home or whatever. There's more than one path. But I think you have to be honest with yourself about, you know, what are your priorities and your values and, you know, sticking with those. And what you want to let people in, like for me, when I first started my business, I felt like I had to be put together and I felt like I had to like, but then I learned that there's times and places where you need to be put together for different types of videos or different types of things. Like you want to look professional. Like you can't be like showing up, like looking all ragged out, but I'll go film reels or go do something or I'll hop on stories. I'll have no, not stitch of makeup on. I don't like makeup either. That's why I get my lashes done. So I actually don't have to go do makeup. <laughs> I have contacts, uh, hard gas permeable ones. So like, Oh my goodness. Mascara is not my friend. It's just flakes in. And then it just, I'm a big mess at that point. So <laughs> I do invest in a time to go and get my lashes done simply because I don't want to wear mascara and I don't want to feel like I have to wear eye makeup if I want to look semi decent without any makeup on, but whatever. And so it's like, you have to be okay with that. And then there's people that like my sister, for instance, she puts makeup no matter what, whether she's feeling bad, feeling good, whatever she puts makeup on, or at least some eyeliner on. And me, I'm like, like, like you either love me or you don't like, unless I got like a big old zit on my chin, like, yeah, maybe I'll put something (laughs) on top of it. Like, let's just like dull that down a little bit, but you know, I think that if you know yourself and it's all in the roles you play, like if you're a CEO of a very large company, then, you know, you have to represent that company. You're not just representing just you, right? If it's something that you don't own or like you're having to be the face of, it's different because there's that expectation, which working for yourself, freelancing, you get to do what the heck you want. Right. Yeah. And I started my own company and I, my face is makeup. That's it. This, this <laughs> yeah. is it. This is the face yeah. that you're getting this what, people. This is what you're signing up for yoga pants and no makeup. That's it's, I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> I think you attract your people that way. Right. 100%. Like from a marketing standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. real people want real people and they want like what they say, what, uh, birds of a feather, right. Flock together. Like you want yeah. your people. Um, I was just having this conversation earlier with a client where it's like, 
that person is a little bit crass for me. I really don't, you know, wouldn't really want to. I'm like, well, but she's not trying to get you right. Like she's trying to get those people that, that you would go and find somebody, no, nothing wrong with that. You could no, And in fact, it's, it's a great thing, right? That's what because I said. It's it means, a great thing. Yeah. Weeds them out. It's great. Yeah. Weeds them out. And it also creates space for everybody. If everybody was cookie cutter, if we all had the same personality and the same offers, like then there would be true competition. Um, but I just look at it so differently because everybody brings it. When you are yourself, you bring yourself to the table and people might love you. People might hate you. Um, I think it's Russell Brunson who first said, you know, you can't have raving fans without having haters. Like it's, again, it's two sides of the same coin. So if you're not standing for something, if you're not a little bit polarizing either yeah. what you're saying or what you're representing, then you're not, you're not going to get either extreme, you know, and you, you want both to an extent because you want those raving fans. Sure. And I always tell my clients, like, if you get a not so nice, like message or not so nice tweet or like a comment, that means you did something right. Like that means you are making it. That means you are being seen by others that are not like your friends. So it, it, yeah, it's hard to to sometimes to read or whatever, but that's a good sign. So, you know, look and look at the positive. Um, well, let's jump in a little bit more. You said you have a book. And so how did the free mama movement transition into a book? And you also have a podcast. I do. I do. Um, so the business side of the evolution is that I started a Facebook group when I was like, okay, I feel this calling started a Facebook group. I'm huge on community. Um, number one, I think it's really important. Number two, I've learned through doing some mindset work and personal development over the years that I, I also kind of created the thing. I wish I would have had, like I never really had. Um, So there's some like inner child work for you. Uh, But our community is amazing. Our like main hub is inside our Facebook group. It's just one of my favorite places on the internet. The people that that get attracted to this group um, and then they show up and they help each other and they support each other. It's it's really unlike most things I've seen online. It's beautiful. Um, So I started there and then my core offer inside of the free mom movement, I have a program where I teach moms to do what I did, how to start their own uh, successful freelancing business from home, replace their salary, um, all the things. And so it was kind of off to the races. I launched the end of uh, 2017. I hired my first business coach. It was hands down, I would say still the scariest thing I've ever done. And I've birthed kids and done other scary things. <laughs> that was that first time I invested in my business was hands down the scariest thing I've ever done. Um, and it was not inexpensive, but it lit a fire that made everything real. You know, it was kind of like, okay, we're not, we're not talking about this. We're not thinking this. We're not like, I'm going to try this. It's like, we are doing this. So I went all in, Um, and very quickly in 2018, the beginning of 2018, things really started taking off. And so, like I said, at the very beginning, I'm huge on outsourcing. I think the best way to have it all. And for me personally to live that like freedom lifestyle entrepreneur life that I want to live is to not try to do it all. So I actually try to do as little as possible. Um, so I got an assistant, I got a copywriter, like reinvested back in my business right away. And that really opened up my bandwidth to be able to do other things. So the first thing that I did was, uh, I I should say like restart my book. Um, because it had been something that had been kind of percolating ever since those days, when I was still working and realized I liked working with Daphne, like with my first child, I've been thinking like, there's gotta be a better way. Like there's gotta be 
this can't be it. Like it can't be either you stay home or you climb the corporate ladder or you just like feel trapped your whole life. Like life has to be more than that. And so I had kind of all these ideas. And then all of a sudden these ideas turned in like were beliefs and these beliefs all of a sudden had strategies behind them and then tactics because I had actually done it. Like I had done the thing that I was hoping was possible. And so around May, 2018, um, I, again, I'm big on outsourcing and I actually, I love to talk. I don't love to write. So I worked with a ghostwriter. We would do this. We'd get on zoom and she'd ask, I had like the whole layout for the book. And she would just ask me stories to try to, or questions to try to bring out as many stories to really bring the book, like the, the, boring part, like make it a little sexier and more fun. Yeah, uh, And so we worked together all year. We launched the end of that year. Um, and it's so funny because by then we were about a little over a year old and my community was so strong that the book launched, it was either December 5th or 6th. I'd have to look it up. And I woke up at 6 AM. I had my alarm 6 AM that day. I woke up and I already had a message from my team saying we had hit bestseller. And so I was like, I didn't even like, I didn't even get like a countdown. Like I just woke up and we already hit it. Like, I'm like, that was so deflating, but like very grateful. So that was awesome. Um, my book is like a child to me. It's, I, you know, we, I feel like we have all these things in our life that we achieve or we accomplish. And we have all these goals that we set, but I will say like of all of the things that I've done, my book is one of my proudest accomplishments. Cause it's something when I was a little girl, like for fun, I would draw, I would like illustrate and write books. Like that's what I would do when I was like playing and stuff. And honestly, for most of my life, I never actually thought I would do it. Like, I don't know about you. I don't know if I'm like, if I went through a really big, like Debbie Downer period in my twenties, I'm not sure, but it was like all these childhood goals I had had. Like, I think I got really jaded in college and like in my early career, maybe feeling defeated because it's like, you know, I did all the things they said you should like get good grades and go to school and get a degree yeah. and get a job. And then like, I did all of that and I wasn't fulfilled and I wasn't happy. And I honestly think I stopped dreaming. I think I stopped setting big goals for myself for a really long time because I had just settled to like this, this is just it. And I was kind of yeah. on this ham, hamster wheel that I find a lot of my students on. And so my book for me is, is a really proud accomplishment. Cause I think that was kind of the real moment where I said, like, I can freaking do anything. Like if I decide I'm going to do something like I can do it, like I can actually, I can have got, like, I gave myself permission to dream again. So my book and I have a very it's over there on the shelf. My book and I have a very deep love, loving relationship with each other. Um, and that we'll was make sure that we link, link that for there, yeah, you know, because we might share that, like the listeners can grab a copy because it sounds amazing. And yeah. Uh, and if you want to give one away, we can set that up. I'll send you one. Like I said, like, I I'm just so proud of it because I, I just, I believe, and now I know, cause we've had so many readers. Um, I think it does for a lot of other people, the same thing that the book did for me. I think it gives them permission to have their own dreams again. And whether I, you know, I feel like it is the key. And I think I was jaded by, you know, kind of corporate America, if you will. But like you mentioned at the beginning, like, I think a lot of us become mothers and it's like, we trade in those ambitions. Like we trade in who yeah. we were and we say, well, I'm just a mom now. Like, and I, and I think we say it thinking that it will make us a better mom. But I really want to challenge that belief system for people, because I actually think that our kids do what we do, not what we say. And I want my kids to pursue their 100%. dreams and they are not going to do that. If they don't see me doing that too. hundred percent. That's the biggest thing is like, you want to make sure that you 
you want to raise good humans. Well, you have to be a good human too. And you have to be showing them how to work hard and what's important and just make sacrifices or know what boundaries are. And the only way they learn is if they watch like they're sponges. Like I hear my kids say things to each other and I'm like, Ooh, ouch. Like (laughs) that was me. (laughs) I said that that's my problem. I need to fix it. So it's like they're mirrors. And so you can see yourself and see what you're doing through them. And then it's like, Oh, I need to fix that. And in my personal experience, like they are not, kids are not the uh, responsible for their environment. They, we are, we're responsible for the environment that they, that they grow up in. And if it's a not healthy environment, we need to change it. It's our responsibility to try to see it as much. And if we can change it, we do our best. And so if you want to show them what a true healthy environment is, or like what it is to work and work hard for something and not everything's given, then you have to provide that environment for them. And that's including yourself and being that guide for them and example, because they watch everything that you do. So, you know, I, hundred percent, you have to show that if you have a goal and you want to accomplish it, what it's going to take, because then they're going to see it and want to do it too. It'll just bring them further in life. Right. For sure. Sorry. You hotspot, right? Um, but, uh, (laughs) so what advice can you give to listeners who want to move away from the nine to five grind, but are nervous about the financial impact it could have during the transition? I think that finances are the biggest thing for most people, right? They're scared. They don't want to leave that security. Yes. Yes. And I'm actually grateful for the pandemic and that I think it shed a light for a lot of people that the stability that they perceive that a nine to five holds is actually an illusion. Um, it always was, uh, but having such, uh, you know, worldly event as a pandemic, uh, really, I think gave people some insight into what could happen and really could happen at any time, but also what is then possible for them and what they can be in control in and what they can accomplish. I don't have the stats pulled up in front of me, but um, the number of people who opened an LLC in 2020 uh, was huge. I should memorize this, but yeah, it was, it was huge. And I think people are starting to realize number one, kind of like I did like way back in the day is like, I don't want to spend my life just sitting here showing up for somebody else in a cubicle, like what's something I care about? What's something I can offer the world? And I think that's beautiful. I think a lot of people also with remote school and, and like e-learning and whatever, like women were forced out of the workplace either by choice or by demand of their family life. And knowing that they can hold on to that if they choose to, if they liked being home, hopefully they can send their kids back to school or choose to homeschool, or there's so many different things just from my community examples that I could pull from, but knowing that you have the flexibility to choose those things, I think is really empowering. But so many people that I've talked to were furloughed. They were laid off. Their spouse was laid off. Like these things can happen at any time. Yeah. It's not like some random thing you have to be prepared. And so I think, again, there's this illusion that, 
And nine to five is like the safe place. But actually, if you build a freelancing career where you have diversity of income in terms of your, you don't have all your, when, when you're a nine to five employee, you have all your eggs in one basket with that employer. As a freelancer, you can actually diversify where your revenue is coming from. And then some of my higher end students, they've literally diversified their revenue streams in terms of, they might be a one-to-one service provider over here, but maybe they offer also offer consulting. Maybe they start to productize their services. So I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've probably at some point been served an ad for a course like they and and you can do these things you can do it with your passions you can do it with your skill sets like all, you are monetizable i don't know if that's a word <laughs> and and i think we've just, we've been conditioned from such a young age to have that programming of like, I go to school, they tell me what to do. I go get the degree. They tell me what to do. I go get the job. The boss tells me what to do. And it's really, I find it. I mean, I already disclosed to you on my disc assessment that power is very important to me, but even if it's not important to you, you can have that control, right? You can take that ownership uh, because the same way you're hireable in a nine to five, you are hireable and marketable as, as a freelancer, as a business owner. And so I know that it's really overwhelming when you start, which is exactly why we created, you know, our community and our programs and all of our free content on my podcast. Like you mentioned, we also have free mama TV over on YouTube, which I'm like super proud of. Um, and so we have all these free and paid resources for you to learn how to do that and get through the overwhelm. But once you walk through that overwhelm, you will feel so empowered. Like, you're going to be like, wow, like, look at all of these options that I have that I think a lot of us, you know, my story started with like not feeling like I had any options and you do, you have more than you, than you probably realize. I mean, that's how I started my business is I was working for another company and it's like, if that person, and it already just had happened to me, I was working, I worked, gave her 10 years and she sold the business. And so it was my choice to either go with the acquisition or take a step back and you know, figure it out. And I chose to take a step back, stay at home, but I got bored really fast, but I had two new year non-compete. So I couldn't go freaking go do what I wanted to do or was I not even what I wanted to do, but what I was doing and making good money. And so I started doing a virtual fitness business where I was like, she's booming. She can sell at any point. And guess what? Like everything I'm now marketing for is gone. And I want something of my own because yes, I'll still keep doing that. But, um, I, I don't want to be like, just so reliant on that. Just like a nine to five job. If you're just relying on that pandemic happens, you get furloughed or laid off. Okay. You have the skill set, but now you got to start over. At least with this, it's like you control your own destiny in being a freelancer and doing your own thing. And yes, owning your own business might be for you, but that's what you hire out. You get someone to automate your systems for you, help somebody like do the things that you're not good at. I think the other thing is when you start a business, like all the marketing is not done for you. So, like, you have to create the marketing flyers and and copy and that gets daunting too. Well, you can hire that out as well. It's an investment in yourself. It's an investment in your business. You can write it off as a write-off, like a tax write-off too. well. Yeah, and you don't have to do all the things no. too. And no. I think that's the advantage of, of following following someone who's done done it before. Yeah. You know, some of the biggest mistakes I see freelancers make is they're off trying to build their website or create their branding board. And I'm like, you don't need any of that stuff to start bringing you in revenue. You're really just distracting your stuff with the busy work, um, and none of that stuff is actually going to directly, you know, get you a client. So I think having the courage to talk about what you're interested in and sharing that with people is, is 
going to get you the results and then you're going to have the money to invest to outsource yes, the like the window dressing grow. It's like the yeah. window dressing. As I literally just had this conversation yesterday with another podcast guest where it was, it's the 40, 40, 20. So it's like 40% of what you sell, 40% of who you are. The 20% is like the colors and the branding and the website. Not that a website isn't important because that is something that you own. We don't own social media. We don't own Facebook. We don't own any of that. That's rented real estate. We don't own YouTube, but we own our website. That's very important, but that's more like the window dressing. Like when you move into your house, like that's not the first thing that you go do, right? You do it later because Mm -hmm. right now it's like up and running, getting it going, like making it functional. Yeah. Make money as soon as possible. That's all I can say. And you don't need all the other stuff to do it. And, and not to play, not to disagree, but just devil's advocate. When you are just getting started, a website is still an expense. So I actually, I teach my students, they should not be building a website until they already have revenue coming in for sure. Because, and again, it depends on what type of business you're starting, but I'm talking freelancers. So they're one-to-one service providers. You don't need 90 clients to pay rent. You need two, like depending on the service you're providing. Right. And so it's, it's about building relationships. And inside my community, I teach something called the freedom path and freedom is an acronym. Shocking freedom coming back. I love me. I love me a good acronym, by the way. Yes. yes. The R is relationships. And that's where 90% of your clients will come from as a freelancer. So you need to think about the business owners that you already know. You need to build, make sure the people that already know, and like you know what you do and the service you provide, because they can be a source of referrals for you. Everybody knows some sort of business owner somewhere. Um, And so it's really important not to forget that. And, and the other thing about websites is while websites, I agree, it's something you own. It's an asset for your business. It's also not something that's just going to have traffic on its own. No one's going to yeah. be like, Oh, I'm just going to like randomly stumble upon this website. People are already on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. They're there. And so it's a great place to invest in building relationships with other business owners on those platforms, because people are already hanging out there and there's already communities where people are already gathered and probably looking for the service that you could provide. And standing up a website doesn't take a lot of time if you just ask someone to help you. And once you have a little bit of money coming in, you would be able to like not think of it as such a daunting task because you have some income where you can invest a little and say, hey, I need you to build and stand up this website for me, blah, 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 where you can still continue on to do your thing. And that's being built, but you're not losing momentum as well. Because that is, for me at least, like the back ends, like I, not my thing. Like I've learned how to do it on my own. It takes a lot of time to teach yourself those types of things. Like just focus on what you're good at and sell what you can and then let someone else do that or, you know, learn it, have someone teach it to you when you have the time and you're not feeling like you're what you're good at. Yeah. Right. You have to like stay in your zone of genius. Let everyone else go do their zone, which is not your zone. Yeah. I mean, that's why we all, you know, buckle the band together. Right. Yes. So good. Well, this was super fun and we could talk all day. I feel like we should just like, we could just do this. I mean, all day. I mean, I love the passion and I love in a few weeks, you can come over on free mom. Yeah, yeah, I know. Right. Well, come on to your podcast. We can continue it on. Um, so let's, um, you mentioned if, uh, links and, and your podcast, and we're going to have everything in the show notes for you guys. So you guys can, um, go check out Lauren and at the free mama movement. So where can we find you online, Instagram, all the fun things, all all the fun things. The best place to connect with me is inside of our Facebook group. So you can search the free mama movement on Facebook, and I'm sure you'll add the link there as well. But yeah, I've got a podcast free mama TV over on YouTube, something we're super proud of, uh, and come hang out with me on Instagram too. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook group. 
tag me. I answer every single post that I get tagged in personally. Um, so I'm super involved in there and always uh, wanting to pour back into the community because the ripple effects of that are your other people will also pour into you. And then as you learn and grow, I know that you're going to stay and pour into other people as well. So it's a big pay it forward type of community. Oh, that's amazing. And um, everyone go check out Lauren Golden and at the free mama movement. I mean, it's super exciting. I'm going to go jump in because it's just <laughs> it what you're doing for moms and what you're doing for, you know, these women are just, it's incredible because you want to be able to give them their freedom back and also stay at home and, and see their kids grow up and have that freedom to do what they want to do while feeling fulfilled. Cause that's the biggest thing is just, yeah. if you're not good, then no one else can be. Mm, that's so true. So thank you again for being here yeah. and thank uh, you for having me. Of course. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of the chaos and cookies podcast. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.